you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at laist.com sweeps. Start your Saturday with something that will grow your kiddos' brains and get their creative juices flowing. Join us at LAS in Pasadena for a morning of multilingual readings, interactive performances, and lots of kid fun. It's Super Fun Saturday on June 1st. Get your tickets at LAS.com slash events. And now, a story from my mother. There was this young man. His name was Sesson Doji. And Sesson Doji was seeking the other half of a riddle. He knew the front part of the riddle, but he didn't know the last part of the riddle. So he was seeking for it. And he came across a monster. And this monster, like, had great big huge teeth, was foaming at the mouth, really looking ugly. A very disgusting looking monster, hairy, because all monsters are kind of hairy and have warts or bad skin, pump up the visual of being like really nasty monster. But the monster said to Sesendoji, I know the other half of the parable. I will tell you what it is. And Sesson Doji was delighted. He finally found the answer he was looking for. But the monster looked at Sesson Doji and he licked his chops and he said, but I love fresh meat. And Sesendochi was like, oh, yeah, okay. But Sesendochi also was very brave. So he said, okay. The monster told him, this is the deal. I'll tell you the second half of the parable. And then you have to jump into my mouth off a cliff. And, of course, I'm going to consume you. Is that good? And Sesson Doji was like, yes, I will do it. The monster told him the other half of the parable. And Sesson Doji went all over, writing it down on trees, on rocks. He just, like, proliferated his space with writing down both halves of the parable. And then when he was ready, he came to the edge of the cliff and he said, Okay, I'm ready. And so... He jumped off of the cliff into the foaming, ugly, bad breath mouth of the monster. And as he was going down, the monster turned into Taishaku, a Buddhist god. And 
captured him in his arms and set him upright. And so the meaning of this parable is about taking on that which is very frightening, scary, difficult, but you get set up by circumstances because a lot of our fears are really not actualizations. They're all in our head. You're listening to Snooze, a show about things people put off, how they conquer them, but most importantly, how they conquer themselves. And I'm Megan Tan. Let's go! When I heard the Sesendoji story that my mom just told, I was a kid. Not really sure what age, maybe five or six. At the time, it was just a story. I didn't really know how my mom took this story and applied it to her life. I've t- always taken this parable as a reminder to push myself towards something that I feel a lot of anxiety about. The first time I did this was feeling extremely anxious about going back to school. I was substitute teaching. I was in middle school at the time. My sister, Crystal, was in college. And my mom wanted to fulfill an unfulfilled dream of hers. Right. And... My purpose for wanting my master's degree, I wanted to get accreditation because we needed more money and I needed a better job, a full-time teaching position, so that I could pay for Crystal's schooling. It had been about 15 years since my mom stepped foot in the classroom. I didn't, I didn't feel confident. So I used this parable. He came to the edge of the cliff and he, he jumped to push myself to sign up and to take this class. My mom is the type of woman who, at the age of 72, jumped off the cliff again. She moved to Maine, bought her first house on her own, reinvented herself as an artist in a new place. She is the queen of unsnoozing, but she doesn't do it alone. She does it with the stories in her pocket. Snooze will be back after the break. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps. 
Start your Saturday with something that will grow your kiddos' brains and get their creative juices flowing. Join us at LAS for a morning of multilingual story times, interactive performances, art making, and lots of kid fun. Bring the whole fam and join us for a super fun Saturday at LAS in Pasadena on June 1st. Tickets at las.com slash events. See you there. Now, back to the show. Oh, we have to put the placemats down. Here, Dad. One, two, three, four, five. It's 2021, around Thanksgiving, and I'm home for the holidays, sitting across the table from my mother, my father, my sister, and my niece. And I'm thinking about the phrases that exist within all of us, that exist within me, that have helped me make this show. They're all stories my parents have told me, stories we tell each other when we sit around the table. All right. Sounds of family eating. (laughs) Natural. My mom is one of my favorite storytellers. Interviewing mom, November 26, 2021. All right. What's the topic of the interview? I'm going to let you know. Okay. Also, relax. Relax. It's chill. Okay. Well, I am chill. I mean, but I did take a walk, and it's freezing cold out there, so... Jilly, you want a blanket? I'm good. I'm good. So we're interviewing people about phrases in their lives that they use whenever they're facing a challenge. So what's a phrase you use? Recently, it came to my attention, and I really like this one, is FEAR, the actual acronyms FEAR, F-E-A-R, is false evidence appearing to be real. Fear. F-E-A-R. False evidence appearing to be real. Fear. When I hear her say this, I think about the people we've had on the show, like Abby. That inner voice that's freaking out about potentially maybe not being able to have a biological child. Austin. It's like, who are you trying to be? You're not that guy anymore. Jessica. I'm not confident that I'm going to pass the permit test. And how we're always on the borderline of allowing our fears to take over our realities. Sometimes fear creates a world that isn't even grounded in anything real. And the tendency for this happens everywhere. Fear can be hanging out with us when we're applying for a job, trying to buy our first house, or even when we're outside, raking the leaves. So what's the story behind the acronym FEAR? What were you going through at the time? Oh, it was a month ago, and I had pulled out my back, and I'd never really done that, as painful as it was. And... Um, 
I was raking leaves and I was mulching with the lawnmower and, and it was all physical work. And so I became very intimidated about doing that kind of work in my yard, but I still had lots more leaves to rake. I had to lift these big bags of leaves after bending over and pushing them down in the damn bags. And, <laughs> and there wasn't really anybody else to do it. So I had to depend on myself, but I, I was intimidated by my temporary disability. So I'm like, this is my fear that I'm running into, false evidence appearing to be real. And then what do you have? You've got a stack of leaves out there for the rest of the winter because, you know, then Thanksgiving came and it's gonna be snow on the ground. That was the call. So it was me bringing out my inner core strength to say, you can do this. You know, just be careful, just take your time, just be conscious of what your body is doing and you'll be fine. Yeah, as somebody who's in their 30s, ripe age of <laughs> 30s, 30s, I don't feel those limitations yet. But it is interesting to hear about what to anticipate as you get older. As my good friend Donna says, we're not spring chickens anymore. When a person falls as they're getting older, you lose your sense of security. It's a physical sense of security, but it's also psychological and it's also emotional. It, it becomes another thing that you have to be fully conscious of in order to move through life, then what you really have to be able to discern, that which is a real limitation and that which is just a limitation based on experiences that you've had. You have to be able to discern what is a real limitation and what is a limitation based on experiences you've had. Yo, this is why I love my mom, because she always just be taking things to the next level, you know? You have to discern what is a real limitation and what is a limitation based on the experiences you've had. The one thing I can think of is back in 2019. I was walking across the street with a coworker of mine and there was an older woman literally two feet in front of us. We were all crossing the crosswalk when all of a sudden a car came out of nowhere and headed straight toward us. I ran left, my coworker ran right, and she found herself between two cars. The older woman was underneath the car. I was okay, but everyone else 
was rushed to the hospital. It's taken me a while to get that moment out of my body. Sometimes when I'm in a car, just driving on the highway, I get a vision of getting into an accident. And I hate it. Now, I have no limitations when it comes to driving. I am a perfectly able-bodied person who can get behind the wheel and go someplace. But when fear creeps in based on this past experience, my body tells my brain, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. Because I don't want to repeat the feeling of an experience I've had before. Driving has become an everyday fear for me. But then there are these fears that happen only a few times in your life. When I moved to Maine, it was like, don't freak out, Mom. That's what I said to her. Which I didn't freak out until I actually got to Maine and I was all by myself. And then I kind of freaked out. This was in 2017 when... Your father and I, our divorce was finalized. And I started to get depressed. I was at this point of feeling like I was going into a dark sinkhole. And I looked up meetup groups. I thought, well, I'll go for a beer and meet new people. And I literally had to push myself out the door. It's like there's a force that's you're you're pushing against that that doesn't want you to go. Push yourself out the door. And so I pushed myself out the door, drove the car. I can still remember getting to this place where we were supposed to meet. And I'm like thinking, but I won't know anybody, you know, I'm going to feel so stupid those kind of things. But I got there and I parked the car and I walked in and, you know, there's all these people around. Then naturally you just start talking. I mean, that's what people do when they get together. They don't know each other, but you connect, you talk. And then the next thing I know, this guy's like, well, I'm the vice president. And it it turned out that this was ski club. Now, mind you, I think I'm going to go have a few beers and go home. He says to me, there's one more spot to go skiing in Red Mountain. Where's Red Mountain? Red Mountain is in British Columbia, Canada. My mother, the woman who sometimes has a hard time raking leaves, is using one of the phrases she keeps in her pocket 
to go skiing in a foreign country alone. News will be back after the break. As a farmer's son from a desert region in California, J.B. Hamby thinks a lot about water. I spent a lot of time digging up history, particularly about water, which is the origins of the Imperial Valley. How this 28-year-old became the youngest lead negotiator on the Colorado River ever. And how he could shape the most consequential negotiations to date. Listen to Imperfect Paradise, the Gen Z water dealmaker, wherever you get podcasts. Alias has a new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We Are Where We Eat will go behind the scenes of some of your favorite L.A. restaurants to find out how and why they do what they do. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for the first event where we'll explore how restaurants help make a neighborhood and we'll all have something delicious to eat afterwards. It's May 22nd at the Crawford. Get your tickets now at LAS.com slash events. Now, back to the show. He says to me, there's one more spot to go skiing in Red Mountain. Where's Red Mountain? Red Mountain is in British Columbia, Canada. I thought, what the heck? You know, what do I have to lose? Sure, let's just see if this works. So, long story short, in a week and two days, I'm on an airplane, then I transfer into a bus, and I'm going across the border into Canada to go ski after not having skied for seven years. And in order to ski with my old equipment, I had to go to Sam's. I remember the guy holding up my ski boot and dropping it, and it hit the floor. It didn't explode into a thousand pieces. And he says, yeah, yeah, these are good. These are still good. Get my skis waxed. And I go up there. I am scared shitless. I haven't skied for seven years. And my knees aren't working so good anymore. And I'm thinking, I cannot fall. You know, there we go back. You know, you can't fall. You know, this, is, this is a real perpetual fear for older people. And I'm on skis. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, please don't let me, don't let me crash. Don't let me die. Don't, you know. <laughs> I made it down the hill. I did good. I mean, I felt good. I was, I was, dang, I was boss. I was bomb. This made me feel so good that when I came back, everybody else in my family was going through depression. Guess who wasn't? Me. I came back home and I said, dang. You know, like, I'm on a roll. 
And that to me is like a real testimony of what is important to challenge yourself, to push yourself out. The thing I love about my mother is her spirit. She's ageless, really. She's constantly pushing herself, reinventing herself, exploring herself, doing things she's never done before. When I get older, I want to be like that. Because of her, I naturally have had the courage to do the same. I've gone to Mongolia and traveled there for a month. I've lived in Ecuador for six months. I moved out to Los Angeles with no family and very few friends on a whim. But fear never really goes away. Whatever time it may be, whatever age we may be, it's always there, like a shadow. And Jillian doing the dishes. Yep. Hi. Fire starting in my heart. Losing the fever, it's just bringing me after But luckily, the phrases we hear around the dinner table, around the kitchen sink, those are always with us too. Can you introduce yourself? Um, hi, my name's Jillian Sherwood. And it's my Auntie Megan. Yeah, I don't really know what else to say. This is my niece, Jillian. She's 12 years old. And even though we don't really look the same, when she smiles, she wrinkles up her nose just like me. Last time I saw her, she was 10, much shorter, and she wore pink polka dot shirts. But now she's a preteen. And she wears hoop earrings and sometimes heels. She's also an artist, an incredible sketch and anime artist, and a writer. She's currently working on a project called The Path to Your Destiny, which is about 50 chapters long. 56. Okay. (laughs) So you have a book that's 56 chapters long, and you have an editor. Yeah, I do. When I ask her about her phrases, she tells me about a wise magician from her book. Oh, yeah. The magician uh, from my book, he said to the girl that time is like a river. You can't go back into the past. So you have to look into the present and look on your future to move forward. Time is like a river. You can't go back into the past. So you have to look into the present and look on your future to move forward. Going forward like a river is kind of like a new rendition of Sesendoji taking a leap off a cliff. But what if Sesendoji wore hoop earrings and was in middle school? Actually, at my school, I had a problem with my friends, um, Miriam, Bella, and Audrey. And there were a bunch of rumors going around about Audrey, and Bella hated Audrey, like despised Audrey. And we kind of avoided the problem. How did you avoid the problem? We just started talking separately to each other, like, oh, it's this person's fault. Oh, it's this person's fault. But we ended up solving the problem by confronting Bella, who didn't really like Audrey, and now they're really good friends. 
Wow. So it was kind of confusing because Bella was hearing rumors about Audrey and Audrey or Bella was kind of... As I'm listening to Jillian, I can hear my mom in her voice. Jillian's young, but she's wise. And I wonder if that's something that's been passed down from my grandmother to my mother to me and my sister and then to Jillian. I wonder if the stories and phrases we keep in our pockets and bring out during difficult times have been there since before we were born. Okay, ready? As I watch Jillian play Guess Who with my father. Um, Papa, do you have facial hair? No. I realize that even though I don't live in the same time zone as the people who look like me, who raised me, who know me more than I sometimes know myself, parts of them already exist inside of me. They exist in how I view problems, how I get through difficulties. They exist in the conversations I have with people on this show. And that all started with the conversations we would have at the table. Yes, I am. <laughs> nice. Um, all right. Okay, awesome. come on, Mom. <laughs> you beat the mistress. Wow, that was fast. If you have something that you've been putting off, call us. 323-591-8159. That's 323-591-8159. Leave us a message, and you could be on an episode of Snooze. Don't put it off. I'm talking to you. Before I give you scenes from the next episode of Snooze, I want to give a shout-out to everyone who helped make this episode possible. This episode was written by Kyle Chang and me. Kyle produced and sound designed this episode. He also composed some original music. I helped with editing. It was mixed and engineered by Donald Paz. Jessica Pilot is our talent producer. Eric Galindo is our showrunner. Our producers are Marina Pena and Emma Alabaster. Our associate producer is Kyle Chang. And I am your host, Megan Tan. Antonia Serejido and Leo G are the executive producers. Our theme song is by Wayne Dopeman. Andrew Epen wrote and composed the original music for this show. The original artwork for Snooze was created by Sana Hong. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Megan Lee Tan and the show at Snooze Podcast. Our website on LAS.com is designed by Andy Cheatwood and the digital marketing team, who also created our branding. 
Snooze is a production of LAS Studios. Thanks to the team over there, including Taylor Kaufman, Sabir Barra, Kristen Hayford, Kristen Muller, Andy Orozco, Michael Costantino, and Leo G. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. If you like snooze, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Trust me, it really helps us out. And we would love to know what you think. And if you love snooze and you want to shower us with appreciation, become a sustaining member of KPCC and LA Studios by going to LAist.com slash memberships. Support the place that supports this work that supports people like me. On the next episode of Snooze, we help Mark find a sex therapist. I want to change the way I view my body and the way that I view sex because up until this point, sex was always a chore for me and something I needed to perform at and just be perfect at, look perfect, act perfect, be perfect. I'm Megan Tan, and thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, and we are back for another round. This is clearly an NPR audience. (laughs) I think they're so smart. What the hell? My guests this time are actor Vela Lavelle and author Amanda Montel, whose new book, The Age of Magical Overthinking, is out now. Join us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum for book talk, trivia, and hot takes. Tickets can be found at laist.com slash events.